you'll notice that I now have, well, you may not notice, but I have a kick button. So if anyone gets too out of hand, I can kick you without any sort of democratic process. You're just out. Yeah, we do not have kick buttons. That's just you. That's beautiful. And now we can't even mess with it because it's recording. I can't change my settings. What time is Federer? First of all, I have zero filter on what comes out of my mouth. Second of all, the guy's talking about my mom. What the hell is he doing? You owe me an apology. I have never cheated in my life. This is the Code Violation Podcast. Welcome. It's good to be back because I can't listen to another live stream. I'm doing one after this. Are we going to do one today? I am. Now that I know how. Yeah. (laughs) So what's going on, fellas? Uh, Well, here in Canada, it's snowing. So I think our listeners need to know the weather in Canada for every podcast. And? I don't know. It's the the armistice. Apparently, my children just drop, I don't know, the TV on the floor above me. Oh, I thought that was in uh, Gramercy. Not every fucking noise comes from Gramercy. Yeah. It must be some sort of a bias I have against you because anytime there's something that's intruding on the podcast, I just assume that it's coming from New York. Whatever. Probably is it my children at least half the time. I was going to say, at least I don't have kids. You're dragging me for. We've got a Bengals touchdown. Who are the Bengals playing? Can we talk about football today? No. Yeah. There's nothing more to say about tennis. Who cares? Kevin Anderson great match did he win today yeah straight set win over hardcore knob dominic team he hits so hard it's scary so hard and with so little purpose he's gonna beat federer federer's got one win in this round or in this what do you call these things groups in in the in the round robin in the leighton hewitt group which is hilarious born in the same year because he's a player of his era wait seriously they're the same age they're the same age. And Hewitt isn't even retired. Like, he still plays doubles fairly regularly. Hey, so I'm going to peel back the curtain here real quick and okay. let you know we've switched software because I, I wasn't real thrilled with what we were using before. So we have two new functions that we could test out at any time. One is the kick button, which uh, allows me to kick one of you for no reason or for good reason. And the second thing we could try out is, you see the little hand up next to your name as the audio? Okay. (laughs) That's the raise your hand button. If you have something to say that that really can't wait and you want to be the next one to speak, I'm going to do it right now. I'll put my hand up. You see it? But you're already speaking. Right. So that that was just a demonstration. So let's say I say something. Oh, here we go. Phil. Yes. Oh, I was just testing it. Go on. Okay, it works. Um, so yeah, we're going to try to really streamline this so that the editor doesn't have to do as much work in post-production on a beautiful Sunday. How's that sound? With the bangles playing. <laughs> it sounds good. My goal is to get this <laughs> is to get this done before the Green Bay Dolphins game. Whenever that might be. All right. So is my, is my hand going unnoticed? Yes. No, it's not. I was just about to call on you. Oh. It, it was up for a while. Okay. Well, I had to f- complete my thought. Oh. All right. Phil. So is the kickoff feature, is, is that similar to like muting someone in around the horn? 
because that could be used to great yeah. to great comedic effect if you're good at it. It's more final than the mute feature because it it'll actually bump you off. Oh. And then and then you'd have to log all the way back in. Oh. Well, that's not as good cuz Would it even work? Hey, Matt, Phil's hand is up. Yeah, shut up, Matt. Yeah, I'm ignoring that just just like I would in a session I'd do with a class when people put their hands well, up. Well, then it's a pointless feature. No, it's not. Where you put put it back up, Phil. There you go. Yeah, so I, I guess if it kicks you out and it's more permanent, I mean, that's difficult because if you do that to me, I'm I'm not going to join again, obviously. Right. But I, I guess that just made me think the format would be interesting if a there was a mute feature, maybe we could embed one, or if you could add or subtract points based on good or bad comments, similar to around the horn, to make the show competitive. Like, I would enjoy this more if there was a winner and a loser. I would too, honestly. Hand down. Go ahead. Put your hand up, Mole, and talk. <laughs> can you mute us? <laughs> yeah, let me see if I can mute you. Start saying something that I don't like. <laughs> NFL football is the worst. Did it cut him? <laughs> it did. This is amazing. Yes! Yeah. <laughs> He's out. <laughs> awesome. Is it is it for good? Is he gone from the episode? No, no, I didn't kick I him. I can unmute myself though. Oh. Oh shit. Well, it still helps. <laughs> like if he's rambling about something terrible, <laughs> just mute him. Can I mute him? And Corey has all the power. Yeah, I don't like that, but Yeah, hey, can you mute me? Um no. How do you know? I'm talking. I try. I'm saying some mambo jambo about Hawkeye on clay. Nope, no one can mute me. I'm trying. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I right-clicked on your name. Inspect. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be there. Two hands up now, so let's go with Matt. Oh, I just never took my hand down. You have to unhand. Oh, this is the worst feature. Ah, see, we, this is this is the worst intro ever. We have to figure out what we're starting with. So if we don't do that soon, I'm going to start off with World War One trivia. So somebody better better put their hand up. My hand is up. We're talking about the baby finals, the next gen. Well, there, there are interesting things to say about it, but not really about the play itself. Yeah, I'd like to talk about the scoring thing. I think the reason that I didn't watch it, even though there are some interesting players, is I don't really like that Fast 4 format. There's no drama. Would you care to elaborate or there's, there's it's just no drama? Well, I thought that both of you would just quickly agree with me that there's no drama because there there isn't. It's almost like if you fast forwarded to the third quarter of a football game. I think part of the beauty of tennis is that the opening set sometimes feels like a a time when both players aren't really showing all of their cards and they're feeling each other out and figuring out how to play that person on that day. And with this particular format, you don't really get it. Help me out here. Phil, you don't like this format either, right? I didn't watch any of this. I'm not sure I've ever even seen Fast 4, so it's hard for me to feel qualified to comment, but but I will. Um, I don't think I like it, but yes. it, remind me how it works. I, kn- I know it's first to four, but is it like four all tiebreaker? Three all tiebreaker, which doesn't make sense, but yes. Three all tiebreaker. And some of those matches were going two hours. Almost, I think. Yeah, they were close to it. I think the idea behind it um, is not really 
when making it like best of five, it wasn't to make it shorter in length. It was to make more um, climactic moments. I'm going to try to play devil's advocate, but Phil can go first. Yeah, Phil, Phil should go first because um, his point on this is particularly good in terms of the importance of break points. So go for it, Phil. Is the tiebreaker played to seven, like a normal tiebreaker? Yeah, they're, they're normal. Okay, so it's a set is just four games instead of six, and it's a three-all tiebreak instead of six-all mm-hmm. with a normal tiebreaker, and it's best of five. But also, also no ad scoring. That's sort of the key wrinkle. No ad scoring, I think, is a separate thing. Okay. I, I mean, I know they're done in the same tournament, but in my view, <laughs> you have to separate the two things. No ad scoring, I hate. I just, I just hate it. To me, that's fundamentally not what tennis is. But best of four sets or first to four wins, um, I don't like it. I, I think the question becomes not whether you like it and why, or is it just because of what you're used to? Or is there something inherently better about a six-game set? And to that, I don't necessarily have a point of view, and I don't think it has anything to do with my opinion about the significance of a break, except that it it's more likely for a set to go to a tiebreak in an ATP match, since breaks are less common. Yes, and... My point on on that and why I kind of like the idea that the breaks are the important part of tennis, with the fast four, you're kind of lessening both the whole deuce drama and the break drama. Because if you break early in the fast four, your opponent only gets really one or two cracks at re-breaking. So it feels like the set is over. And I felt that when I was watching it. As soon as someone broke in the fast four format, you kind of wrote them in to win that set. And then secondly, is if someone is down love 40 or 40 love in a game and they get it to deuce, it's almost like a new game. And when someone can just win that on the next point, you lose that drama. So it, for me, it's it's lacking on both those ways. Yeah, no ad scoring, I agree completely. On the best of four, I also agree. You know, in in the six game sets, you've got this concept of you got the break and then people say hold forever, right? And if there's a break early in the set, that's still a big challenge to do, to take care of your own serve to make sure you win the set. What I just don't know is like, if tennis had been designed as an eight-game set and these next-gen tournaments were six-game sets, you know, people would probably be, have the same violent reaction. Almost certainly. No, certainly. I think it's just a little bit hard to say whether a four-game set is really worse in some genuine way other than it's different from what we're used to. But I certainly don't like it, mainly because it's not what I'm used to. No ad scoring, that's different to me. That's not tennis. And so if that gets if that ever makes its way to the ATP, then I'll be pissed. Four-game sets, if they make its way to 250s, whatever. Matt, what do you think? As usual, I'm bringing in citations because because I'm annoying. Um, no, but I saw this thread. I shared this with you guys last night. Um, someone on Twitter uh, who goes by Simpsons Paradox. What's up, Simpson? I think this is a woman, so I'm going to go with that. And if not, I, I apologize. Fast four format, five sets, black. 
The idea is to ratchet up the tension by increasing the value of each game, to cut the slack and make the matches shorter. First of all, the exciting matches um, that went to four or five sets weren't shorter, which I think we touched on already. Second, the sets were too short to get into them. Every set usually has a dramatic arc highlighted by at least one break of serve, and then the denouement, where someone serves it out or tie break. There was no chance for that drama to develop here. So you guys basically touched upon this, but I, I thought I'd still bring this in because I, I wanted to speak directly to this. Simply put, tennis is exciting when it builds dramatic tension. You can't have dramatic peaks, though, without valleys. Fast 4 is like smooshing all the action sequences in a thriller together with no other scenes. It just doesn't work as entertainment. Um, and then says, no ad scoring, the same thing, but I will... We'll, we'll leave no ad scoring for a second because I think everybody hates it. Um, even I don't really like it, though I do think it's useful in club play. Um, so anyway, the reason I wanted to bring all of that up was the, the part about the dramatic tension and the idea that to have dramatic tension, you need to have some flat spots. And I think in writing a play or, or a movie, that might be the case. Um, and I'm not entirely sure that applies to a tennis match. Um, and I, I want to, to give an example. In this year's World Tour Finals, we end up with a semifinal, and this could happen, between John Isner and Kevin Anderson. <laughs> we, we already, I mean, Wimbledon changed, Wimbledon, of all places, changed a rule because of a match between John Isner and Kevin Anderson. So that's, that's the thing we're looking at here. But I'm just kind of wondering if there's if there's going to be any more dramatic tension in a, a six-game set, or like a six, best of, sorry, a 12-game set between those two than a shorter one. I think for the most part, every set's going to end in a tiebreaker. Um, and with these guys, and this is sort of going off the, this is going into no-ad scoring, I wonder with these guys if no-ad scoring might actually improve things. Because if somebody created a break point, there's more of a chance, possibly, that somebody could just like fluke it over. I kind of agree with Phil that I think if this format had always existed and they changed it to something else, then we'd probably be complaining about whatever it was changed to that we're used to a scoring system. But part of the reason I think that we enjoy tennis, that we are tennis fans, has something to do with the scoring system, that it isn't just... Well, that it isn't squash, for example, which is just points. Or ping pong. And then you add them up. Or ping pong or, you know, any, any other thing that, that it's a little, it plays out differently. And there probably is more of the, the rising action, falling action, so to speak, um, in tennis than in a lot of other racket sports. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. I raised my hand quite a while ago. Um, I, I always feel compelled to bring up during conversations like this that tie breaks did not used to exist in tennis. And when tie breaks were introduced, people were outraged that it changed the landscape of the sport and it was no longer tennis. And I'm pretty sure that no one in the world today would argue for no tie breaks. Um, so I only say that as a kind of point of emphasis about you know, how reluctant to change people are, but how easily people tend to get used to things. As for Simpson, mm. I, I, I like that point. And also going back to the famous, you know, best of five argument versus best of three. And I think one of the things that, you know, Ben likes to point to is that there are a lot of 
there are a lot of throwaway sets in best of five. And to me, that's not a bad thing. That's actually a good thing. When you see a lot of these close matches where one of the sets is 6-1, um, because that that reflects either you know a, a dip or a valley in the excitement or one of the players kind of not trying as hard or getting demolished in a set, but ultimately able to still win it. Um, and so I agree that when you stretch it out and allow for that to happen, there's more drama on the whole, even if there are more quote unquote boring parts within the match itself. So yeah, I, I like, I like really long matches. I would do best of seven. Me too. You were saying earlier that you probably wouldn't mind this format being applied to like a 250. No, I wouldn't. But not for the same reasons. I I think the reason that the person cited was that like kids will like it more, and that that reason just it's it's just stupid. I mean, I I think young people like watching longer sports more than old people do. Like I I used to watch full baseball games just in the middle of the season, like three hours. Now I can't be bothered to do that, and I can't be bothered to watch a four hour round two tennis match. Um, the, the reason I would be okay with it is just to shorten the matches. So I, I wouldn't do like weird best of five like this. And I definitely did, wouldn't do no ad scoring, but if they did like regular fast four best of three, I would be okay with that just to shorten the, uh, the physical burden on these guys who have to play 250 events because they just have to play so much tennis that, I guess saying it's unfair is the wrong word, but I, I don't like that they're so disadvantaged when they finally do get entry into a 500 or a 1,000 on the strength of all these 250s that they played, but they're not really competitive because they played so much tennis in the 250s. So, you know, anything to lighten the load. But still, I would just go to doubles format, I think. Like, nobody seems to have a problem with that. And that's two sets in a tiebreaker, right? Uh, so... Singles, all matches, including finals, shall be the best of be the best of three tiebreak sets. Doubles, all matches, included finals, shall be two tiebreak sets with a deciding match tiebreak, ten points at one set. All games shall be decided using the no ad scoring method. So yeah, that's what they do in doubles. Boo! Give us our deuce. The only time that I think that kind of scoring would be useful is um, in a situation like I do for, for club play where you get an hour to play a match and that's that's all the time you get. Um, for me, I would like to figure out a way to get like, I mean, like maybe even a fast four format with like two sets and a tiebreaker or something, but like some way to get like a chance to play what feels more like a completed match than just one set. But yeah, for for tennis, for watching tennis, I don't know. The the there is, I think we all agree that there's there's some intangible value to deuce. It's not even intangible. It's tangible. <laughs> what? I was actually just trying to end the discussion. You, you can but. touch the value of the deuce. Yeah. Brilliant. It is tangible. Very tangible. All right. Matt. Matt. Yes. It's tangible. Fine. Go ahead, Phil. No, just looking up the definition of tangible, I'm really not sure you can say it's tangible. I just said it was tangible. Oh, no, good point. All right, go on. (laughs) You're getting kicked (laughs) off or muted. As uh, Matt pointed out on our spreadsheet that we use for 
obviously a lot of research and preparation for these episodes. Uh, we don't really do previews of events, even though the World Tour Finals uh, is starting today, and it would be a good time to preview this event. Meh. We're not really going to do that because um, it, it doesn't hold up well. It makes us look <laughs> foolish when things are exactly the opposite of what we say. So we're not going to do that. And instead, we're going to talk about Novak and the ball kids. <laughs> oh, good. At least we're not talking about Saudi Arabia, right? Who would like to start? Phil's got his hands up. One of the listed synonyms for tangible is corporeal. So I just wanted to point that out because now when it goes to deuce, I'm going to call it corporeal. Um, but on Novak and the ball kids, I don't, I don't even know what the subject is. What happened? Did he abuse one again? <laughs> yes. But he didn't, remember? Like the video came out and... Th this video was more confusing and potentially manipulated than the Acosta video. Like, <laughs> and it probably it's produced true. more collective outrage. Like there's this little snippet. Oh, is this what we're talking about? That little snippet of like Novak like swinging at a ball? Yes, but yes. we're using oh, it my, to move to something oh else. Oh my fucking God. Like yeah. Novak like swings at a ball and misses it. And it's like carefully cropped. And it looks like he's like, like trying to, trying to throw an axe at a ball kid and and like and like <laughs> the, yeah the video it's, is like a half and, a and second everyone long everyone freaks yeah. out and you've got like amy That's feather exactly off for tweeting like. it like that whole shit that was that was nothing like if you watch the actual if you if you watch the actual event like with all the context nothing happened so there's nothing to talk about there except a bunch of fools on twitter who are bitter about novak Sorry that he's number one, but and yes, he has been bad to ball kids on occasion in the past. This was not such an occasion. So you guys are fools. Is my hand down? Yeah. The thing about this is what is the what's the role of the ball kid? And keeping in mind that at some tournaments, like at the at the US Open, for example, they're ball men. So it's it's a little different. And in, in Madrid, they're ball models. <laughs> but in general, they're like 12 to 15-year-old kids, something like that. Um, and, they're, and they're not paid. They're usually doing this because they're like club kids or something. They're kids that play tennis. Um, and so they do receive occasionally abuse from players, although not in this particular case. They, there was not a ball tomahawked at them. <laughs> But they also, and this is where the rule, this is one of the go, swinging back around in the next-gen finals, this is the, the rule change, is that they, they also hand out towels. Um, and this is, it's become like a big thing. So, uh, well, Matt, Matt put the, the, the Tsitsipas uh, thing in his towel, so I'm going to let him explain that part. I never really liked the idea of two things. Uh, those kids or the ball people or the ball models having to handle the sweaty towels. And then similarly, when the match is over, the winner taking off his sweatband and hurling it into the crowd <laughs> as a disgusting souvenir, that should be something that people get outraged about. So anything we can do to prevent the amount of sweat being transferred from person to person, I think is a great thing. The headband being sweaty and disgusting that gets thrown into the crowd, that's 
really only applicable to your favorite player. So don't project that on everyone else. They all do it. But they're not all so sweaty and disgusting. They're all sweaty and disgusting. Djokovic. <laughs> Need I remind you about his armpit situation? <laughs> oh, yeah, man. He was, he was <laughs> I don't having I know if that's an interesting in topic Paris. at all, but we only have four listeners, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> we should congratulate him for making the final losing that much uh, body fluid, you know. He's back to his Indian Wells weight, just from sweating out whatever virus he had. <laughs> but losing it only from the armpit. Um, okay, so uh, just uh, coming back to the towel thing, uh, another Twitter person, uh, Chris Otto, the fan child, who, who is uh, pretty well known on tennis Twitter. He just wrote, I noticed this today, he said the, the towel or no towel debate is worth having. Um Maybe not considering so much indoors, but consider the oppressive muggy heat like we see for much of the season when you're doing this debate. And think of the extra energy a player would use to run to grab the towel repeatedly in a match. Oh, um, God. <laughs> so I don't know. This is what he's saying, right? That it's it's farther away. There's the, They want to implement excuse me, the shot clock now and like all of these other things, like it's it's sort of adding up. So Zverev's solution is uh, he's just going to wipe himself off on his shirt and gross fill out. But, you know, what about Nadal? Nadal's, he needs like, he would need to have an absorbent shirt. He could just that to work. retire. Like he'd need to be wearing a towel. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> so you have no there is no room for compromise on this in your opinion just like put the if they want towels they can go get them pretty much isn't that how it works for every other person in the world <laughs> well yes if, if I want a towel I go retrieve a towel to wipe my body are you timed though no but they need to allow for people to towel themselves 26 seconds all right. Uh, that's, is that a good resolution, Phil? Add one second. Yes. Go ahead, Phil. When you hold all four Grand Slams at once, then you can ask someone to get your towels for you. <laughs> a child, even? All four Grand Slams? Anybody. And then you can chuck it back at them. Whatever. It's probably better for the ball kids not to get the towels because, like, don't worry about the arguments on either side. It's not that important. Just def defer to the people who think it's offensive. But, um,. I do. I would like to comment on. I think it was Zverev, who was you know being his typical douchey self, and he was saying like, "Well, you know, I don't do this." And you look at a guy like TFO, and he does it after a fault. And um, we, we were talking about this once. I think I think maybe it was Anna who brought it up that like it's not necessarily a function of actually how much you're sweating when you ask for it, but it becomes part of some of these players' you know post point routine. Like they're so. You know, they get into such a zone about what they do. Like Novak finishes a point, you know, he does that gesture like over his face. I, I, I rarely see any sweat on him. So I think a lot of these guys are just used to it. And that's not to suggest that they should keep doing it that way. I just think it's a reason a lot of them do it, not because they see the ball kids as, you know, servants who should be absorbing their germs. But yeah, I mean, it could be just no. something that they get used to. Oh, it's just when you said um, when you said the gesture, I was just thinking that the, someone who I know uses that the the sort of hand wave over the face gesture is Venus Williams, who's like everyone's example of sort of the player who doesn't do anything wrong, and she's yeah obviously if I remember her doing the gesture like she does that she asks for the towel all the time and you know it's sort of like it's not doing that doesn't mean hurry up kid get the towel over here but you can you know it's still like. 
she's being polite, but she's still asking the ball kids to do it. So yeah, it's it's just part of the game right now. Yeah, right. I'm mostly kidding when I say that they should do away with the, you know, the toweling because a lot of it, even if you're not showing a lot of sweat, you're trying to keep your grip from getting wet mm. for as long as possible. At that level of play, when you're serving and hitting that hard, you can't really play even half as well as you could once your once your grip gets wet. So you get a racket you like, you get strings you like, you're you're cruising. You just want to make sure you don't have to to switch equipment. The towels aren't going to go away. I I think there's a perfectly reasonable argument that says children do not need to be handling athletes' sweaty towels, and we can figure something else out. I barely like handling my own towel. <laughs> I think we touched on all the things that won't get us canceled. Oh, we I want to I want to talk about something that will. So the WTA, the WTA finals, which was. Um, like a week ago, it was during, I think it was during, uh, it must have been during Paris. And the reason that I didn't watch that, there was two reasons. One, it was in Singapore. So all the matches were on like whatever random time. Like they were they were kind of on in the morning when I was getting ready to go. But I would have recorded them and watched them at night, but they're not on TV. And WTA has a separate streaming service and, you know, all of these other things. And so, yeah, I actually would have rather watched those matches than a lot of the stuff that I did end up watching. But because of the way that the WTA has managed its TV deals and everything else, um, and there's some sexism and stuff that goes into that, why they wouldn't get TV deals, et cetera, et cetera. But I think all of that stuff really contributes to like me, someone who's been watching WTA tennis for the last 10 years. Um, but with this streaming stuff, I've watched a lot less, less of it. Um, so it's sort of just been, it's not that I don't like it. It's not that I think it's inferior. There's a lot of times where I would rather watch it, but it's just less easily available. I don't, I don't disagree with, with any of that. They certainly don't make in the States, and I, I guess in Canada too, they don't make it very easy to watch these matches. There's that kind of out of sight, out of mind syndrome happening. And I personally think that's a shame too. I had to subscribe to, I think it's called BN Sports, B-E-I-N. Right, yeah. Uh, in order to watch matches earlier in the season. And even they don't have consistent coverage. And I'm paying extra for it. They were terrible, and I do think the WTA dropped them. Like they're back with Tennis Channel now, and I'm just—I just looked. The, the WTA finals were during Basel and Vienna, so I totally would have watched those finals over like random matches in Vienna or something. So, yeah, I think it's. Um, and in Canada, we've had this situation for years where ATP tournaments, like now 500s, most matches are there, so I can record them. I can watch them at night. Um, and there's nothing. WTA does not exist outside of slams on TV. Well, I think you just have to follow the money. Um, mm. And if it's not profitable, they're not going to show it. Well, there's a whole new can of worms. But I think it could, like, I don't know. Maybe. Hold on a sec. I think my food is here. Hello? Hello. <laughs> I was just going to ask about food. Yeah, I got to eat soon. Uh, can you come up? It's apartment 3-0. I'm totally keeping this in. Oh, yeah, you're leaving this in. Oh. Okay. I wonder what he's eating. So the the one interesting thing, this is the uh, 
and and it's it's the subject that no one's really talking about is the winner. And here you could cue up the Latvian anthem if you want. The winner of the WTA finals was Alina Svitolina, Ukrainian, uh, who's had a real drop off in form. Who had had a real drop off in form up until this week, where she suddenly won five matches against uh, top ten opponents. Um, but there was a lot of speculation going on that her drop off in form was due to the fact that she lost a fair bit of weight. Um, and she talked about it and she said people are saying things about her and that she was, you know, that there's all this sort of thing that surrounds women. Um, that's, it's different than people saying Novak looked too skinny Indian Wells. hundred uh, percent different. So I think that was really interesting because it was just like, well, that was the thing. It was like Svitolina relies on her fitness and she relies on running that kind of thing. That's her game style. So for her to win, she needs to be in good shape and she was too skinny to be in good shape. That was sort of like a theory. And then yet she won five matches on a slow court doing mostly running, playing her game. So it's... People actually said she was too skinny Yes. To be in good shape? Yes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Someone, one of those people should... Like, you know, like she was emaciated. They should explain then how adding weight helps a tennis player in any fashion. Well, wait, I don't under... Is is that an implausible theory? Yes. Oh. No, no, go ahead. Wasn't it true for Novak, though, that he needed to add some weight, like, to his uh, upper body? Yes, it it was true for Novak. Yeah, Novak added a lot of muscle, and they said it was necessary for his stamina and shots and everything. So I'm not sure why it couldn't be the case for Svitolina. The pro- the problem is talking about, you know that that just raises all sorts of problems and issues that that yeah, you alluded I think people to. People were sorry, but I'm 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 not sure from a pure tennis perspective that it could be, you know, ov- obviously not not possible I don't, I don't know why oh well Their tennis player is just like man because she she just showed that that wasn't the case i think that and one with her thin build was able to still perform at her peak fine i i, I wasn't suggesting that it was a correct assumption for svitolina i i would say like your your reaction was that it was totally ridiculous and i'm i'm wondering if it is necessarily ridiculous i mean i it's a difficult thing to talk about, but I, I, I think if you're going to talk about it, you have to talk about it in terms of muscle and not in terms of weight. Hmm. If someone is is so weak and frail that their body doesn't hold up, that's one thing. But for someone to be thin and athletic in tennis, I think is what you want. It was an interesting side note because it was one of those things that was like a it was a rumbling, and it's like, well, what's going on with Svitolina? What, what what's what's happened there? The same thing happened with uh, Bouchard actually a couple of years ago, um, and and all the same sort of things. Like her drop off in form was due to her losing weight and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, well, the subtext with Jeannie too is that oh she lost a lot of weight because she's more concerned about looking good in pictures than performing on the tennis court. And it right. wasn't even subtext; people were saying that. Yeah, she's too concerned with her Instagram and not enough with her training, as if you can't you know, look good and be a great athlete at the same time. So as much as uh, I really didn't enjoy her tennis, (laughs) then I never thought that that was anything that anyone should be talking about. I'm back. What'd I miss? My food got here. Matt was body shaming Jeannie Bouchard. Why? 
too skinny. Yeah, that sounds like something I would say, right? You know, (laughs) it's really difficult living in an apartment that ends in the letter O for ordering food. Because when they call to ask the apartment, it's impossible to understand O over... They always think I say L or something. Or they think you're just saying O as a non sequitur. Like, yeah, I'm in apartment... No, 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 no. I'm in apartment six. Oh. No, because then they would at least follow up. No. They, they always think I say L, because it's difficult to pronounce O emphatically. You need to be very, like, assertive, like, O. No. And sometimes I say O as in, but then I can't think of a word. O as an ostrich. I feel like a fool. I bet Leani. O. Well, no. Mo Leani can say a lot of things in my hand. Mo. 